Chapter 27 Year 874 PXF Autumn Thorn was broken out of his thoughts by a knock at the door. As promised, a group of rowdy dwarves herded by a demanding dwarven matron whose demeanor shifted from honey-sweet toward Thorn to thunderclap fury toward her boys delivered bedding, blankets, and stylish accents along with provisions to his new abode. Once satisfied with her work, the matron demanded of Thorn, Get down here, boy, and show some deference to your elders, indicating for him to bring his face closer to hers. Now, not too much drinking or carousing, and keep your nose clean of the funny business that this city has far too much in abundance of. If you need coin, you come to see old Margren, introducing herself with a wink. I could find good use for someone your stature. She gave a pat and then a harder but not painful strike to Thorn's cheek, emphasizing it with a finger pointed at his nose. And stay out of the dice parlors, or you'll end up indentured to the ice beards and work in the frost forge depths. Margren took her leave, leaving Thorn stunned but free to putter about the apartment and his new additional furnishings. He was thankful for the bedding, as he wasn't sure how he would have slept on the stone bed otherwise. He was happily surprised that, after Margarine's ministrations, the bed was one of the more comfortable he had laid on. Thorne decided to take up Darvis on their advice and get his bearings within Oldstone, as nothing else remained to occupy him within his rooms. As Thorne left his apartment, the pillars was teeming and bustling with the constant activity of the city's commerce. As he explored the district, he saw everything from small everyday transactions between residents and grocers to negotiations of mineral and jewel shipments at the brokerage cafes along the Silvervane's winding course. Later, as his stomach began to inform him that dinner time was approaching, Thorne headed downstream, back into Sunhall and the meal halls of River Rock. As he emerged from the pillars back into the towering vaults of Sunhall, Thorne was once again reminded by sunset's ruddy glow washing the limestone walls that the light here was not a conjuration. Thorne approached River Rock with some trepidation, not knowing the custom to receive the king's fare that Darvis had described as he was down to his last coppers. Thorne chose the first of the meal halls that he came upon, as it was on the fringe of River Rock and did not seem as crowded and loud as those further ahead. The Lamb Shank was a tidy and well-kept establishment, with a large outdoor seating area laid out in front of its open windows. As he entered the meal hall, Thorne was deeply contemplating the efficiency of windows needing no glass when buildings were inside a cavern, and so was, therefore, surprised by his encountering a dragonborn behind the low counter, separating the small indoor common area of the lamb shank from the large kitchen. The dragonborn was of a mottled green and black coloration, with a long serpentine neck that placed their head above even thorns. While Thorn had seen Dragonborn in his previous life as Duke Isul's envoy, it was mainly from afar and never one-on-one. -on -one. With a quick assessment of Thorn's ragged clothing and still road-worn appearance, the Dragonborn offered, One king's fair, I'm thinking. The Dragonborn's accent was thick but intelligible. I would appreciate it, Thorn replied, but I don't know the custom here yet and would hate to short you of the coin. That's not the way it works here. 
No matter how many I serve, I get paid for a certain number of KFs, so it won't be any scales off my back. The dragonborn added, By the looks of you, you are in sore need of some sustenance. Thank you, friend. I am Thorn. He extended his hand in greeting. The dragonborn reached across the counter, grasping Thorn's hand. I am Malkadan. Not many humans in Old Stone. Most stay to the south in the Cloudvale Steps. But you are welcome here, especially if you enjoy dragonborn cuisine. I'll hold off on the hottest of the spices for you this first time. Thorn graciously took the meal Malkadan offered him, a hearty stew in an orange-yellow sauce that, if the dragonborn had spoken truly, just the smell told Thorn to be grateful for him holding back on the spices. Exiting, Thorn found a table outside that was unobtrusively placed against the outer wall of the lamb shank. He had selected one of the few seating arrangements scaled for species other than dwarves, which served the dual purpose of comfort and begging off any companions as he felt self-conscious, having been reminded of his appearance. The stew was delicious, but Thorn thanked the gods more than once for the tankards of stout dwarven ale that Malkadan kept bringing to his table. While supping, Thorn let his mind switch gears from the loftier existential thinking of earlier in the day to the more everyday matters. Finding the baths, earning some coin, and getting some new clothes for his time here. All that would need to wait for tomorrow, though, because for the first time since fleeing Arnador Keep and ridding himself of the Vermilion Blade, Thorn had the closest thing to a place he could call a home. Within a few days of his arrival, he had settled into a routine. He was quite surprised by the dwarven versions of baths. With the abundance of falling water both in the pillars and sun hall, baths consisted of standing beneath a rushing torrent of water instead of submerging in a pool. Depending on the coin you wanted to spend and the luxury you desired, you could have the cascading water heated, smoothed, converted to tiny raindrops, or even jets of pressurized steam though the steam option was mainly for Dragonborn due to the scalding heat. Overall, Thorn found visiting the Cascades, as the baths were called, more refreshing than traditional bathing, but once in a while still missed his long soaks in the heated pool beneath the sojourn's rest. True to her word, Margarine found Thorn work enough to keep him busy and provide him enough coin for two new sets of clothes and other niceties. Thorn continued to visit the lamb shank, and even tried some of Malkadan's other dishes, but most often came back to the ever-spicier King's Fair, insisting he be allowed to pay for it when he was able. Thorn also began dining at the large common tables more centrally located outside the lamb shank. They were a bit undersized for him, but they offered some company, and he found he was a welcome guest with several of the groups of dwarves that came for dragonborn cuisine once or twice a week. Year 874 PXF Early Winter The arrival of winter, even in all its harshness this high in the mountains, did little to impact the lives of Oldstone citizens. The only real noticeable change was the ever-reducing hours of daylight in Sunhall, and the occasional dwarf arriving at River Rock just in from the outdoors with ice still in their beard. Cold months are much the same anywhere, regardless of the actual climate one has to experience. A time for hearty soups, dark ales, and tales told by the hearth fire. 
As the nights grew longer and the moonlight seemingly brighter in Sunhall, more and more of the citizenry of Oldstone filled River Rock each night. Every square inch of the boulevards and patios on the banks of the Silvervane River sprouted braziers, seating areas, and tables for friends to gather together and share a story. The Lambshank was no exception, and as a regular patron, Thorne somehow found himself nightly having a seat saved for him among the central tables on the patio. Thorne, being a newcomer to Oldstone, and not being of dwarven kind, was harried for tales of himself or the human lowlands. He spent weeks insisting he had no stories to tell, and if he had no escape from a particularly insistent group of tablemates, he shared only the news of the unrest that had occurred in Elyrion. However, Thorne was fascinated to hear the tales of the dwarves. Their cultural stories and histories were far richer than what his tutors had taught, and they came alive when heard as told by the dwarves, instead of being read in a history book or recited by rote. The dwarves' connections to this world, the primordial dragons, and the dragonborn were all mere footnotes in human histories of the world of Valknor, if included at all. Hearing them here in Oldstone, where that history actually happened, and being able to, within a few steps, lay hands on the places referenced in tales that were tens of thousands of years old, gave Thorne a whole new perspective on the world. He discovered, for being so short-lived, that humans certainly had a way of twisting history to make it seem that it revolved around themselves and no one else. Midwinter was quickly approaching, which meant Riken's birthday was nearing as well, and while he had celebrated it every year, this would be the first time as Thorn. As he sat in the kitchen with a sweet muffin that was a standard of dwarven fare, it was strange to think that two years earlier he had been sitting in the sojourn's rest contemplating his relationship with Osman. Now he had lost Osman as surely as he had lost Riken. The two loves of his life, while very different, were absent from his own existence. What lay ahead for Thorn was a mystery, but those two foundations of Riken and Osman would guide his path wherever it may lead. Ironically, perhaps this winter also marked Thorn's birth, while he may have been spat out of the spring and into this world months ago, it wasn't until recently that Thorne had actually begun to come alive as his own person. When he blew out the candle on the muffin, Thorne knew what must come next, and it was the season to do it properly. Every culture views death in its own way, but on the continent of Rhymira, whether dreaded or welcomed, most people regarded the god of death as the last friend they would ever know. As such, people treated death with deference to the many customs of hospitality that governed their cultures, even if done so ruefully. Those different customs created a tapestry of traditions that blended into the universal observance of last friend's remembrance on the shortest day and longest night of each year. For the dwarves of Oldstone, it was the one time of the year the dwarves shrouded the multitude of apparatus and inventions which brought outside light into Sunhall Cavern, plunging it into darkness. No brazier, candle, or lantern was lit. Instead, each resident carried a spherical vial of the luminescent water of the Silvervane River with them through the darkness. They gathered on every level of Sunhall and, in groups small and large, told the stories of those they lost to the last friend through the years. On this last friend's remembrance, 
Thorn, a globe of silver vein water in hand that he collected from the tributary just outside his home, walked solemnly downriver out of the pillars and into Sunhall. He found a seat waiting for him at the tables outside the lambshank, where Malkadan, Margrin, and some other regulars he ate with were already seated, having somehow anticipated the coming moment. The time had come for him to lay Talancourt Vermain truly to rest. I am not here to tell the story of a hero, though there was a time some thought of him as such, or the story of a traitor and oathbreaker, as he came to be known as well. Just the story of a man I knew, and who is now gone. Thorne's voice faltered, not just from loss, as many who were listening assumed, but from fear that speaking of Talon might conjure his return. At that moment, he finally realized he wanted to live as Thorn, and never again as the person he had been. The self-assurance of his own right to live as himself, and not an echo of Talon, gave Thorn the confidence to continue. He began by telling stories of the Crimson Sentinels and Falcon's Grasp, not as adventures he lived, but as though they were stories of another person, recognizing now they indeed were. He left out details that only Talon would know including all of the inner struggles with the Vermilion Blade, but including everything a third-party observer would have seen or experienced. His stories of Talon were cheered and lauded in their time of triumph, and met with shock and dismay as they approached their conclusion. Each tale was absorbed and respected by those around the table, as they continued to spill out of Thorn through the night, and when dawn broke and light returned to Sunhall, marking the end of the Night of Last Remembrance— Mugs were raised to a life well lived, sending the fallen hero, or perhaps villain, Talon Corvermain, to peaceful rest. <laughs>